What up, what up? Welcome back to Millionaire Voices, episode number 13. Today, I have the honor of interviewing the great Jim Fannin. Jim Fannin, he's been a mentor of mine for the past couple years. I've learned so much from him. So today, I get to interview him in person. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jimmy Fannin. Well, thanks for that introduction, Danny. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here. Talking about billions is always a fun thing to do. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, Jim, you've been one of the greatest inspirations in my life. Uh, you've been such a mentor to me. You've taught me so much about the mindset and how to just live in the zone. And that's what I want the viewers and pretty much this show is, whether it's entrepreneurs or just people who want to learn how to live a great life from high performers, and you're one of them. So we usually start the show and going back to like, where you started in life and that's i'm so curious i know a little bit about you but not everyone does so why don't you tell us about where jim fannin comes from well i, I got to go back 71 years oh, wow. so, so uh that's a uh, you don't may not have enough time for the show i i was uh blessed to be born to uh some awesome parents uh but i was born and raised in appalachia uh, in uh, Ashland, Kentucky, I was born, but shortly after that, we, my parents had no money, and we moved on up into the hills, uh, and so I was raised in McRoberts Holler, a suburb of Hazard, Kentucky. You know, dare, 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 dare. I mean, I, I, I'm a hillbilly, and uh, dirt floor, uh, outhouse, well water, no electricity. Uh, we've eaten roadkill before, which was crazy. My dad had a shovel and a bag, and if he hit something, that could have been dinner at night. But, you know, poverty in that area is a mindset. No, no different than wealth is a mindset. And I said, so, Mom, Mommy, are we poor? You hungry? No. Then you're not poor. I, I, I go, okay, but I don't have a floor in my bedroom. She goes, you know, the bots boys up the holler, there's eight in one bedroom. You got your own bedroom. I'm like, okay. And she said, you know, that Etch-a-Sketch game you want, that fun little Etch-a-Sketch, you had the world's largest Etch-a-Sketch game. Mm. And she got down on her hands and knees and started playing tic-tac-toe on my bedroom floor. And she wrote out my name and I'm like, I'm rich. I got the greatest bedroom on the planet. And and there was a plank in the bedroom that I would walk to the other two rooms in the house. And I said, but mommy, I, I have to walk on this plank. She goes, you're going to have the best balance of any athlete anywhere by you walk on that plank every day. And you need to just keep your head up and walk on that plank and work on your balance. And I was like, wow. So that, that was my positive reinforcement by, by an awesome mother and father. My grandfather, on, on the other hand, he, he was a tough guy. He was the moonshiner. He was the sheriff of Letcher County. He packed two 45 pearl handled guns ready at, at the minute. It's a real rough area, coal mining area. But he was also a Cherokee Indian, uh, which was uh, definitely different. And he would take me out into the woods at four, five, and six. The first time I went out, he said, just cause the bushes don't move doesn't mean anything's in there. I go, what do you mean, Papa? And he would throw a rock and a rabbit would run out. And he would teach me, if the moss is over here, this is what's gonna happen. If there's a ring around this, the moon, it's gonna rain in three days. I mean, he was giving me an Indian's view of the woods. My second trip with him, he blindfolded me. So he walks me blindfolded. I'm, I'm like five and he, I'm blindfolded and he walks me a mile up into the hills, into the woods. And my, my grandma would have beat him up, but he, here's what happened. When we get up here, I told you that you're gonna take the blindfold off when you think I'm gone or I'm gonna have you count when you can't, can't count any higher take the blindfold off, and I told you what to do. Can you repeat it? See, yeah. When the blindfold co comes up, I need to breathe, and I, I need to relax, and I need to adapt to my surroundings. I know, Papa, I'm never lost. 
I just haven't found my way. I'm never lost, no matter where I am in the world. Find my way. And, uh, and so we did that. And uh, I'd take my blindfold off and I'd figure out how to get home. And uh, the other tip was, you got to go to higher ground if you're not sure where to go. And I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, we climb a tree, get up on a hill, get up on a rock. And now from a higher place, you've got a good lay of the land. Maybe you can see some smoke coming out of our chimney back at the house. And you'll find your way home. You're never lost. You just haven't found your way. So be cool. Then Danny, he, he took me into caves, blindfolds me, takes me into the caves. I knew I was going into a cave. The temperature would drop 10 degrees. And, uh, and I'm, we didn't go in the caves until I was probably seven or eight. And he'd give me a candle and a box of matches. Blindfold, he would leave. I would take the blindfold off. It'd be completely dark. I'd light the match, light the candle. And his wisdom was, wherever the wind blows, it's trying to get out of the cave too. Follow the wind. So I would have a candle and it'd blow that way or this way. And wherever the wind blows, that's where I would go. I'd get out of the cave by myself. I'm never lost. I just haven't found my way. And, you know, he trained me to visualize. He was the first person that taught me how to visualize. Um, he said, you know, the woods are alive, especially at night. But so are your dreams, especially at night. And when you go to sleep at night, your dreams can connect to anything out there in the world that can help you manifest it. He didn't say manifest. I don't know. It was a hillbilly, so we didn't use manifest. But uh, it would help you make that dream come true. And, and that was my first uh, early uh, training, really, a mentor. Yeah, and Jim, it really, it, it's amazing, those stories, because there's so many life lessons at such a young age that was getting you ready for that real world. And, you know, it's probably why you became so great in life. And, you know, I guess my question to you with, like, your childhood and all those things, that changing your narrative and perspective on the situations and then learning valuable life lessons is, I guess, understanding of, like, where was it in the childhood that you wanted to live a great life? Like you wanted to, like what, did something happen in the, or an idea happen at that early age or by the teens that you wanted to live great and, and do big things? Danny, I've had an itch that I've needed to scratch since the five, six, seven. Oh, wow. I, I just had a different drum beat and I, I think it was those regular daily lessons with my grandfather. Um, I met another mentor that really made a major change. I'll mm -hmm. tell you about it. His name was Professor R.W. Ross. He was a, uh, a black retired philosophy professor. He was 83 years old when I met him. I was 11. Mm -hmm. And I was a baseball all-star, and I played all the sports. We'd moved back from the hills to the big city. We moved back to Ashland, Kentucky. But Professor Ross was the first one that really told me how to visualize. So... I'm 11, I just started playing tennis, and I'm reading a magazine, World Tennis Magazine, and I'm so excited about this magazine because there was an article about some 12-year-olds my age, maybe a year older, that were traveling the European tennis circuit. They'd written a little diary on their travels. So I'd read it, I'd put it down, I'd come back, I'd read it again on this park bench in Central Park, Ashland, Kentucky. Well, Professor Ross, uh, an amazing man, he had two sons that were Tuskegee Airmen, so he, he was uh, uh, just an amazing human. And he befriended you know, a little white boy in Appalachia. He said, why don't you play tennis with him? I go, how do I do that? He's looking over my shoulder, I'm looking at the article. He said, well, shut your eyes and can you see them? Yeah. He said, well, hit a few balls with them. So I'm mentally, you know, tapping some balls in, in my mind with these two Italian guys that were my age. And uh, he said, well, why don't you travel the world with them? I said, I I've never been on an airplane. He said, well, don't you think it's time? I said, yeah, I, I would like to do that. So I shut my eyes and he guided me going up the stairs of uh, an airplane. I got on the airplane in my mind. 
I'm sitting next to the Italian guys and the plane took off and we're traveling around the world. Now, I'm not going to tell you I thought about that day every night that summer, 60 years ago, Danny, uh, but I thought about it in an inordinate amount of time. 14 years later, I coached Adriano Panata and Paolo Bertolucci, two Italians, the same ones that were in the magazine, and I not only traveled the world with them, but I helped them get to the uh, uh, World Davis Cup Finals against my own United States. So I stood up for the national anthem, I stood up for the Italian anthem, and, uh, and then at that match, uh, I met Peter Fleming, who was John McEnroe's partner. We were competing against McEnroe Fleming. And uh, so I met Peter during that, and, uh, and then later helped Peter win four Wimbledon titles. Um, I went off and up seven players, reached the top 10 in the world. And I, and I was literally going all over the world uh, to, uh, uh, you know, on the pro tennis circuit traveling. And uh, so that, that's how visualization really works and how it happens. But I remember my grandfather, uh, dreams come alive at night. So I would think about the, the Italians 30. I didn't know the science behind it, which I do now understand the science. But I'd go to sleep thinking about doing it and, and wake up the same. Yeah, and, and that's where, you know, I could talk to you for hours, Jim, and, and I want people who really don't know you like I know you to realize how great you are. So with that being said, I want to speed up a little bit. I don't want to take away from your childhood and, and how you started moving into the coaching world. But that leads me to that question. It's like, Explain a little bit about who and what you and what you coach and what your that skill set is. Well, my first, uh, I'm a strategist, mm -hmm. tactician, um, negotiator. I'm a world class body language reader. I coach the best poker players in the world. Um, but coaching's been my calling. ABC always be coaching. That's uh, who I am. And uh, my first real big pay coaching experience. Uh, I was leaving the pro tour as a player mm -hmm. and uh, was just starting to coach a lot of guys. And um, That was tennis, the pro, you said pro? Yeah, tennis. And um, one guy said, will you coach me? I've got 1500 bucks. If I don't win my next tournament, I'm going to be back in Johannesburg being a policeman like my father. Mm -hmm. I said, well, how am I going to coach you? You ain't got any money. How are you going to pay me? And he goes, uh, this is a friend, and he goes, 5% of the gross, I'm not doing it. 10%, I'm not doing it. 15%, I go, done deal. Singles and doubles, yes. So I got 15% of the gross. And uh, so we shook hands, we became partners in me coaching him, and then he said, I have bad news. I said, I've been coaching you 30 seconds and we got bad news. He goes, yeah, I didn't tell you, but the next tournament, I already know the draw and who I play. Who do you play? Jimmy Connors, world number one player. I said, you know, I played Connors uh, a couple of years ago. I can beat him, but not with my game. But I'm 100% certain I can beat him with your game. And so we trained this new strategy against the top player in the world. And uh, we kicked his fanny in that uh, match. It sent shockwaves through the tennis world that my guy, who was like 70 in the world, uh, could beat the number one player. And, and that, you know, that launched my coaching career. But what really launched it, Danny, I did a research project in 1974 at Ohio State. I had three PhDs that I paid, all my winnings from coaching, and um, paid them 50 grand. And uh, they brought in 30 or 40 assistants. And I did a project which my financial advisors thought, they thought I was crazy, but it was how to maximize super learning in children. So we took 250 children aged four to eight, and uh, we tested them in running, jumping, all kinds of activities, mental activities. So after the 18 months, uh, we discovered that everybody watching this or listening to this, you learn more in the first 60 months of your life than the rest of your life, accumulative. Now think about that. You just got born. And now you're five. You're like 60 months, like a lease on a car, <laughs> and you haven't been here very long. In that time frame, you will learn more in that five years 
then the rest of your life accumulative, even if you live to 100. You learn language, you learn a dirty look for mom, that means you better get home quick. And, um, but I also discovered that the reason they learned so much, they were in a zone state. The very thing that the athletes I coached, we were chasing around the world trying to be in the zone at the right time or the right place and stretch it like a rubber band. So in that research, I realized that these kids, all their thoughts, especially one, two, three, and four years old, you're in the, you're in the moment. You have no past. You're three. You have no future. You can't tell time. You have no concept. You told the truth. Why are you fat? Why are your teeth crooked in front of your mother? And, you know, your mom and dad freaked out. You just tell the truth. And if you didn't like the food, you spit it out. Um, you could be a spaceman or a cowboy or a baseball player with your imagination. And the research we did in that 18 months was even how cartoons draw kids into the TV set. But the bottom line, Danny, I discovered five markers that everybody watching has. I discovered that all of us have a higher low level of self-discipline. It's the willingness or commitment to stay with some routines or tasks to reach goals that take you to a vision. If you have high self-discipline, it produces cortisol, which is a stressor chemical and really gets you to start to narrow your focus. Uh, ironically, at the same time, I interviewed 100 world champions, 100. One was the CEO of Fisher-Price. He was a world champion, number one toy maker at the time. Uh, I interviewed the top guy at Gatorade. Gatorade just came out. I interviewed him. And I asked him all the same question. I interviewed Jimmy Connors and Chris Everett. Why are you great? Everyone said in their own way, I had a dream. Sometimes as a little kid, sometimes, sometimes they didn't get to dream until they realized, I can beat these guys. They're not that good, you know, maybe in their 28, 29 years old. But they all had a vision that woke them up and tucked them to bed. And they all had a blueprint of what they wanted to do, self-discipline. And then the second marker we discovered was the ability to hold your focus. And that produces glycogen. And now your focus totally narrows and you feel like you're alone in a crowd which really helps you if you're in yankee stadium and people are booing you that you can be alone you know in a crowd uh, the other marker was optimism or confidence optimism was the marker that produces endorphins relaxation produces serotonin enjoyment produces dopamine so here's what happens those five markers replace the word attitude. So your attitude and score, and ironically it spelled a word which we couldn't believe. It was irony that it actually was an acronym. And every pro said, I had discipline, I could focus, I could put blinders on, I had confidence, I was calm and cool when the money's on the table, and, uh, and I love what I do and I do what I love. Mm -hmm. And the SCORE system was born in 1974. And then I took this little kids program, Danny. I, I'm at 25, and I franchised 83 of them globally. Mm -hmm. This is before the Internet, before cell phone, before uh, fax machine. I thought the greatest invention was whiteout for your typewriter but at the time. But once I franchised it, I started doing tons of parent seminars. I've done... 500. The title is Coach Your Kid to Greatness, my seminars. We had a quarter million children in this program around the world mm -hmm. at one time. Uh, I sold 43 in Chicago. That's how I wound up in Chicago. All the money was coming out of Chicago. And, uh, uh, and from there in the parent seminar, somebody would say, does this work for insurance? Absolutely. Next thing I'm coaching Allstate. Uh, does this work for baseball? Yeah. I'm, I'm naive. Yeah, this will work for baseball. Next thing I know, I'm coaching some guys on the White Sox. It was the owner, one of the owners of the White Sox uh, that was in the parent seminar. And so whatever people would say, does it work for this? I'd say, absolutely. And so the next thing I know, I, I built a little cottage industry of life, business, sports. Mm. But the engine was the score system, and the score system 
uh, has two major drivers. One is self-awareness, being aware of your score level, and, and then the other one is visualization. Yeah, and, and Jim, that leads me to and talk about as much as you like, but, you know, I love one of those stories, you know, with uh, the White Sox story, with one of the players, when you visualize with them. You, can you expand on that? Well, uh, many people watching may know who Frank Thomas is. Frank Thomas, uh, MVP, retired. He's now in the Hall of Fame, uh, Chicago White Sox player. So we're in old Comiskey Park, and Frank Thomas is a rookie. And I, I was coaching other guys on the White Sox mentally, helping them get in the zone. And so Frank wanted to meet with me, and um, we went out in the dugout by ourselves. And uh, I said, so what's the point, man? Why am I here? What do you want? You're blunt. What do you want? Why am I here? Hall of Fame. I go, really? I said, I'm going to ask you again. I look him dead in the eye. What do you want? Hall of Fame. It's going to cost you. He goes, well, what, what's your fee? I, I, I go, no, 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 no. My fee's chump change. How much money you're going to make, you'll be paying me out of change in your front pocket. If you have an abnormal dream, you have to think in an abnormal way. And you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to miss your uh, wedding anniversary. He said, I don't even have a girlfriend. I said, Frank, Hall's 22, year, 22, 23 years from now. You may have three wives. I hope you don't, but you might have three wives. I said, you're going to miss uh, your kid's birthday party. You know, baseball, six months, you're locked in. You, you, there's no day off. You can't, hey, I'm going to go see my wife. I'll see you next Monday. I, you're, you're an indentured servant to the game, pretty much. And um, so anyway, the, uh, I said to Frank, have you been to Cooperstown? New York, where the Hall of Fame is? He goes, yeah, I've been there in a high school all-star classic. I said, go there now. Put on a nice suit. You're going to give your Hall induction right now. So he shuts his eyes. We're in the dugout, 2 in the afternoon. Game doesn't start till 7. Frank shuts his eyes. I get him to unhinge his jaw and relax. Frank starts doing his induction speech to himself, I shut my eyes, visualized being in the front row, watching his induction speech in real time with him. It's kind of a synchronized visualization. Um, and then I designed a blueprint. Nothing great happens without a blueprint, but I do blueprints a little bit differently. Um, I reverse engineer everything. So we started at the hall, and then we broke it back 22 years, one year at a time, knowing that he Probably wouldn't be with the White Sox his whole career. Most people don't. Derek Jeter did. Yankees, good for him. Most players don't. And um, so we designed this blueprint. Um, and then once it was reverse engineered, it popped like a runway. And uh, every day he was a Hall of Famer. He acted like it, thought like it. Uh, asking, Oh, he felt it. And I asked him, I said, what do you do for a living? I play baseball. Ask Alex Rodriguez, what do you do for a living? Uh, I hit a home runs. Uh, ask Randy Johnson, Cy Young Award, what, what do you do for a living? Uh, I, I pitch. But what they didn't realize, there's an essence to a craft that you better focus and hit a high standard. So Frank Thomas hits a ball solid with an accelerated bat head. That's why you get paid. Nothing more, nothing less. Alex Rodriguez, you could call Alex right now. What do you do for a living in his baseball days? I hit solid with an accelerated bat head. And so they said that mantra, we believe Frank, A-Rod, Jim Tomey, all these great athletes in baseball, uh, 10,000 times, 15,000 times before every at bat, I hit solid. And uh, next thing, uh, I'm at Cooperstown, I'm in the front row, Frank comes up to give his speech, he gives the zone coach a shout out, and uh, I started crying like a five-year-old I was just you know bawling and Frank started crying we were the only two that knew that we had already done this 22 years earlier oh my god yeah no you said it, it like so you thought yeah you fast forward 22 years that it took and and you started with that visualization so it shows people that like you know it might take some time but if you truly believe in it and you put yourself there 
you can get to your visions. You know, Danny, I've coached every professional sports in the world, even professional handball in Europe, cricket, rugby, soccer. Yeah. I've coached champions, the best in the world. But uh, an Olympic, uh, and I just picked up a, another Olympic uh, client, hopeful. But uh, it's tough to design something for the Olympics because that's four years away. We reverse engineer it all the way to what are you going to do the day before? Well, we're not going to do anything but think about our strengths the day before. We, we don't do a lot the day before. If you're not ready by the day before of a big event, you're never going to be ready. But he saw the gold medal, the, the one Olympian I coached. He saw it put around his neck. He felt he cried in the visualization when they played the national anthem and he stood up on the podium as the gold medalist. But uh, that was all blueprinted out four years earlier. Yeah, my question is, Jim, you know, on this topic still of visualization, I read your book and I everyone go read Jim's book, The Blueprint, is the visualization. You have like four techniques and it's like symbolic, situational, aftermath. Task. And task. Now, could you expand on those real quick? Um, well, there's a certain time you want to visualize. You want to get into an alpha brainwave, semi-drowsy state, which I get my clients. But I'll give you an example. I'm on the road with Alex Rodriguez. Okay. And we go up to his suite, and he's getting ready to go to bed. He gets in bed. I'm in a chair next to him because he's going to drift off. And uh, I know who's going to pitch the next day. I get my own private stat statistics. And uh, I would sit there in a chair and say, you have a righty on the mound. He's in uniform in his mind right before sleep. And uh, there's a righty on the mound. First pitch is a four-seamer away. Take it. And then Alex would take it. Uh, slider, low and away take it to right field. And Alex would, I could hear him blowing out a candle because I had him breathe an impact. We would do that every night. And, and then I'd let myself out and go to my room. So guided imagery, I've been doing this for over 50 years. Um, again, there's certain times you need to do it. And I have all those proprietary times. But my system, Danny, is so simple because if you sleep eight hours a night, trust me on the math here, you're awake 112 hours for the week. The system takes less than 3% of your waking hours, and it's 30 seconds here, 60 seconds. It's real short. We have hundreds of tools for every sport, every business, sales, parenting, relationships. Um, and, and that's what I do. I, I not only design the blueprint, but I show them a formula on how to manifest it uh, and visualization's part of it. Now we've taken the blueprint, put it on a new platform, and it's on an app. And, and so we've taken it to another level. I was on a Zoom call, Danny, last week uh, with a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists, and they were on the call to listen to me do a talk. And I asked all of them, I said, how long does it take to change a habit? The majority said six to eight weeks with a caveat that if you get off one day, you got to start the 68 weeks all over again. So that that's tough for a lot of people. Six, eight weeks repetition without anybody coaching you, especially one guy said four to six weeks. And then somebody said, well, how long does it take you to change someone's habit? I said, seven to 10 days. And, and 70, 80 people were like, they were in disbelief. I said, you know, when I'm out in, with a client or I'm at a world championship, if I need to change something, I ain't got seven to 10 days. I got to fix it. And if I got a guy injured, we have techniques on super healing. Every one of my clients that were injured get back on the field, the court, uh, 50% quicker than the trainers and the doctors think. We've actually put 80 some people, their cancer in remission. Now, we didn't do it. We showed them how to activate their self-healing in their body. Wow. So 
Uh, it's fast, it works, but if you want to change your hat, I helped the guy stop cussing in seven to 10 days. He was dropping the F-bombs in meetings in front of his children. His wife called him and said, I'd like to hire you for my husband. He's dropping F-bombs and he's embarrassing. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not sure I want to get into that. <laughs> but uh, he did engage and uh, on the eighth day, he's not dropped an F-bomb in uh, three years to date. So he eradicated his uh, cursing. And, and and Jim, simply, that's you teaching people the score system. Yes. And then applying it to yep. their life. Well, you got to apply it. You know, it's, there's no pill. That you, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in the zone. But yeah. here's the thing about the zone, Danny. E everybody watching and listening, you, if I took a knife out and stuck it in everybody's thigh, Here's what would happen. You'd go into a zone state. Your eyes would double or triple shutter speed. That way you could look for an avenue of escape or defense or offense, but it slows everything down. Your stomach uh, uh, diverts all the blood from your stomach. Uh, most of our blood's on our stomach so we can get minerals and vitamins throughout the body. Uh, but the blood goes to the brain for clarity. The rest of the blood goes to the large muscles for inordinate quickness, speed, agility, and strength. Skin sensitivity heightens. You have a feeling that nothing can go wrong. You're totally solution-oriented, and your awareness is shocking. There's actually an energy field that expands thousands of yards, 360 around you, to pick up data to help you in that situation. But another phenomenon, your conscious mind, which uses five senses and knows right from wrong and reasoning, it shuts down. Conscious mind goes into the back seat and your subconscious mind right. takes over and guides you. Mm -hmm. So our program, uh, again, it's 50 years old. It's never failed. Uh, people could fail it. You, just because you read the book doesn't mean things are going to happen. you got to practice it, obviously. But um, it's... Uh, the zone, I've seen it last 33 days. Um, all my clients get in the zone, but you can get in the zone when you read a book. You can get in the zone when you make love. You can get in the zone when you see a sunset. You can get in the zone watching a movie. Yeah. So the zone is the zone is the zone. And, and, and so from 1974 to probably 1978, I figured out how to be in the zone without having a knife stuck in your leg. <laughs> or if you've ever been in a car accident, uh, God forbid you, you're in one, but if you've been in one, it was surreal, slow motion, everything seemed crazy. That's a zone state that mm -hmm. uh, people call fight or flight, but we've taken it to a whole nother level. Yeah. So uh, you can live in the zone. Yeah, and that zone, it's like, would you also say, like, you know, beyond the, um, the similarity of the flow state, is like you are in such a confident, cool, calm, collect state that everything's coming to, and you're living in that abundance frequency where everything just coming towards you aka the zone is would you well you can't go to the zone you you attract it attract you it. attract the zone and once in the zone and that's what gives you life balance you know life balance that people talk about that a lot but we segregate people's lives into different buckets or mm -hmm. arenas mm -hmm. and uh but you can be in the zone as a parent you can be in the zone as in your personal finance you can be in the zone in wellness all the different aspects, relationships, parenting, friendships. So, so the zone is um, available to everybody. But again, it takes less than 3% of your waking hours to attract it. So my question to you, Jim, is you know, hearing all these fascinating stories is what's it really like to work with this type of person these high performers these celebrities these a players in sports or in life executives i know you work with some of the biggest executives in you know in these in the corporate entities in america so what's it like to you like what's an opinion on it is it so cool it's, it's talking to you wow i could care less who they are i don't care who they are i don't care about their accolades our, our moniker and our slogan has been since 1974, your success is the mission, mm. period. So 
you come to me, it's typically word of mouth. We don't market. I, you know, I, I go on Instagram. Follow me on Jim Fannin Official. There we go. Instagram, a little two-minute, three-minute riff. But it, those things, I'm not, I'm not phased. I've been, I coach champions. I mean, so to me, you know, they're normal, but they all need something. I mean, right now I'm coaching a guy. Uh, our goal was he wanted to be a billionaire. I said, okay, but you're more than a businessman. You know your father. You know, and, mm. and so you can be a champion in one thing, but you can be the worst dad on the planet, the worst relationship. Some of these guys that make so much money, they, they ruin their uh, relationship. They're overweight. They're out of shape. They got heart issues. Mm -hmm. And that's not a true champion. So I, I take champions and show them how to be a true champion. And the balance is not the different arenas. You're going to put more time in your primary business arena, more thoughts, more energy. But that's not your most important arena. Probably the most important is your self arena. That's my spirituality, my physical wellness, my, my mental sanity. So if you get your score level balanced, mm -hmm. you can take it to these different arenas. So when I say life balance, it's not life balance in terms of time. It's balancing your score level, which makes each of these arenas productive, quality laden, and simple. Do you think the score system has um, to be like like morality and like integrity? Does that have to like? Because I feel like when you're aligned with those decisions you can get to the zone because I've been in, in a place before where I was out of alignment. Like you said, I, maybe that's just my personal arena and, and, and whatnot. But I figured that, you know, because I was not in my morale, my moral and my integrity alignment, which was causing me to uh, figure it out. Was it my relaxation off? Like where almost all my levels were low. I was trying to, you know, reverse engineer it, but I realized I figured that I, like, I think you hit the nail on the head. The most important reason is, is personal, whatever that means. Well, you got to be your own best friend. And uh, people said that for a long time. In fact, the people that wrote the book, Be Your Own Best Friend, were two PhDs out of New York. And uh, I visited them uh, when they wrote it about 40-some years ago. So I, you, you got to treat yourself like a champion mm -hmm. if you want to be a champion. Uh, you got to be number one long before you get number one. You got to be a Hall of Famer, and if you want to make thirty dollars an hour, I, I'm in Puerto Rico and there's there's a receptionist, and she knew me. I'm coaching the CEO of this big distributorship in San Juan, and um, I came in every day and talked to her. I was there a week at a time every month for a few years, coaching this entire big organization, and I said. You are always personal. You're always nice. I, I like how you greet me. It's awesome. I said, how much money do you make? I already knew what it was. And she said, I make 15 an hour. 15 an hour. I said, would you like to make 30? Oh, yes, Mr. Fannin. I, I, I'd love to make 30. I said, okay, let's do it. Let's figure it out. What, what do I need to do? Will you come in early? Come in late, maybe work on the weekends, maybe forego your vacation if needed because the company needed. Would you do that for $30 an hour? She goes, yes. I said, all right, let me get this straight. Will you come in early? Will you go to bed late and work weekends every now and then and maybe forego a vacation? Would you do it for $15 an hour? She goes, no. I said, that's why you'll never make $30 an hour. And she was like, whoa, you got to be a $30 an hour worker before somebody's going to pay you $30. Right if you're a $15 person, why, why would I pay you $30? And, and you can take that all the way up to a million or 10000 or 50000 whatever. But um, I'm coaching a, a guy right now that's $250,000 from being a billionaire. And... Um, but our main focus is him being a better father. Mm, love that. He, he, he's much better as a dad. And um, I'll give you a little, if your parents watch, I'll give you a dad, mom and dad tip. The four most powerful words you could say to your child when they go to sleep in the last 30 minutes is, and you want to say it just like this, and you only say it once, 
You add silence between these words, and he's been working on that uh, to be the best dad. And it's touch your child's hair, touch their shoulder. They're drifting off to sleep. It's just you and the kid, uh, your kid. And you say, I believe in you. And then you leave. Well, when you do it like that, that's going to get recorded in your kid's mind and that will replay during the night 15 to 20 times from someone that loves them. So if you're looking to improve the self-esteem of your kid, child, that's one of the techniques. Don't, don't do it every day. My daughter got up in a seminar once and said, my dad did that every day. I did not do it every day, but I did it probably three times a week, a little judicious. So... You know, making money's great. Yeah. Uh, having yachts is great. I'm sitting in Casa de Campo a couple of years ago, and I'm sitting with two billionaires. And we're talking. I go, why are you rich? How come you got so much money? How come you got so much money? And I knew both of them were poor when they got started. And I was poor when I got started. And one guy said, I reward myself. I said, tell me about that. What, what does that mean? He said, well, I was pushing a cart with scrap metal in my early teens, going house to house. Hey, got any bottles? Got any aluminum? <laughs> he was a scrap guy. And he eventually built it up, sold the scrap, and then had a scrap yard. <laughs> now it's a big business. And, uh, and he said, but I always rewarded myself. I had a goal, and I rewarded myself. And the other guy said, that's ironic you would say that because I do the same. He said, do you, do you see that uh, yacht? I said, you mean that ship is like 220 feet? It was ridiculous. I mean, really, it's awesome, tricked out. He said, that, that's mine. And I said, well, was that a reward? And he said, yeah, I did this deal that took me three years to do, and I bought it as a reward. I said, but you're a billionaire. You could afford it anyway. He said, I know I could afford it, but I wouldn't do it. So I found that so many successful people all have their Ph.D., Danny. And, I, of course, I have earned my Ph.D., and here's Ph.D. you got to act like you're poor, hungry, and determined if you don't have your Ph.D. And so every day I, I, I've been poor, I've been hungry, uh, and I'm definitely determined. So I wake up every day with uh, my Ph.D. ready to roll. Wow. And, you know, it leads me to this question, you know, this, I want to ask you so many questions about your clients and your experiences and we'll probably have to have a part two. I've never said that to anyone on this show, but I'd love to have a part two with you one day in the future. But what do you think, you know, you've learned the most from all the people you coached and that they reached their potential because of the score system and, and everything that they worked with with you. But like, what did you? What are some like maybe some beyond just that great example with the billionaires that you just mentioned about rewarding yourself? What other like key value or things that you see in these successful people or that they were needing from you to get to that success? Well, I'm going to tell you what they need, uh, and, and especially today. And I just want to make one statement so everybody listening can really understand it. The American Psychiatric Association came out this year and said 74 percent of us Americans are experiencing chronic depression symptoms. Think about that. And chronic depression is, you know, fetal position, the drapes are drawn, you, you don't even want to go out, you know, you're, you're frozen. Uh, that's our society right now. A lot of stress, a lot of fear, tremendous anxiety, uh, drug use, opioids is rampant. That's another subject uh, that I'm involved with. We have a drug uh, treatment program, but um, you know, we all have an expiration date in, indelibly etched on our backside, invisible, of when the bod's going to expire. I've never seen anybody live 150 years old or 200. Or I guess Moses or Noah lived to 600, but I'd like to have some verification on that. And, you know, I'd like to see it. But think about it. If you have an expiration date, I'm 71. If there's, I mean, by the way, everybody's invited to my 125th birthday party. I will be jumping out of a cake naked with a palm tree tattooed on my face, but 
Anyway, I digress. If you got an expiration date, what's the rush? And the biggest thing I've helped my clients with, I believe, yeah. today is adding silence in their life, meditating. You know, music, I love music. I've coached a lot of top groups, and I, I live next door to the Judds, uh, the famous country singing mom-daughter duo. But music's not music, Danny, without silence. So if I change silence between that little beat, it's a different beat. So otherwise, if there was no silence, it would just be noise. You don't hear the silence in a song or, or in an album because the vocals have silence between the notes. The drums have silence between the notes. And the vocals, the drums, the guitar, the percussion, all that has silence, but you don't hear it. But if you want a musical, rhythmical, awesome zone life, you have to add silence. And, and the only quote I use, I, I use my own original quotes, and I don't quote other people, but I've I, I quoted this so many times, I believe it's my quote, but I must give this to Abraham Lincoln. It's definitely not Jim Fannin. But uh, if you had four hours to chop down a tree, you should spend two hours sharpening your axe. And we got a lot of people that want to do so much. You got that self-discipline locked in. I got my blueprint. I'm focused. You're chopping with a dull axe. Mm -hmm. So sharpen your axe. What does that mean? Meditate. That's sharpening your axe. Take a vacation before you need it. That's sharpening your axe. Mm -hmm. um, taking a day off before you need it. That's sharpening your axe. Um, being silent. I, once a month, I have a silent day. I don't even talk to my wife. She's in the room. I'm texting her. I ain't talking to anybody. I'm 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 gone. Jim Fannin monk. You know, I, I I will talk every now and then. It is my wife. She'll make me talk. But but you know, I, I just turn my brain off and uh, replenish my psychic energy, my emotional energy, and to to have a successful life, you need emotional endurance. You need yeah. psychic endurance, yeah. and and we don't replenish that. I just did a golf in the zone school with the great Brian Mogg, top 100 instructor in the world. And, um, you know, at the end of it, it went from 8.30 to 4.30, and I'm doing most of the talking. I'm drained, so I, I unplug my brain, get into my relaxed meditative state. I've got a couple of techniques to, like a little plug I, I can psychologically plug into a wall socket and get my energy but I'm constantly taking breaks plug in my energy um, and then go again yeah you and, need silence and, and I I love I love it so much that we're so aligned that you're leading into like the, to, to finish our episode you know some additional questions I want to ask you about the personal arena you've answered a lot of them but what you're saying out loud and I, I truly appreciate it, I hope others do is so for you personally, Jim Fannin, for you to stay at a high performance, what is your routines? Like how are you, you said you're meditating. Well, it, first of all, I never have a day I haven't already had. Okay. I dress rehearse every day. Every day. I've never had a week I haven't already had. On Sunday night, like 10,000 other Zoniacs around the world, yep. we visualize the greatest week ever. At the end of every month, Greatest May I've ever had in my life. Uh, on New Year's Eve, which is a big day for Zoniacs, uh, we're visualizing the year, the quarter, the month, and tomorrow. That's a super day. There's three of those a year, super days. And uh, so I, I'm prepared. And, of course, things go sideways. and Other people interrupt my plan. and But I've got something to adjust from. So... I wake up in the morning, and the first thing I do is see my vision of what I want. Mm -hmm. uh, then I meditate, and not visualize. I just clear my mind. And uh, I've already dress rehearsed everything, and I just be my genuine, authentic self and, and, and let it pull me. You know, when you have a vision that you've programmed your subconscious, it'll pull you through challenges. Most of us are pushing, trying. So I don't try. I don't get upset. I've never had a client in 50 years hear a negative word from me. Not one. 
because it's not you've never heard one because and um I'm always in a positive mood. I'm, I'm an extreme positive thinker. And uh, my best friend died in my arms uh, November 8th, 65. And a voice came that I thought was real. It, maybe it wasn't, but I thought it was. It was his voice said, laugh your ass off every day. Never have a bad day again. And I'm holding him in a hospital down in Winston-Salem. He died of cancer. Mm-hmm. I'm 15. He had just turned 16. That day, I promised him wow. to honor him. I would go, and I, I pulled this out of my fanny or out of the universe. I'll go 20,000 consecutive days to honor my best friend. So last August 14th was my 20,000th consecutive day. And um, wow! so if I make a commitment, like on January 1, I woke up and I went, Where's the athlete? You know, I'm an athlete, <laughs> but I don't look like an athlete. Um, wow. I, I said, I'm walking one year, three miles every day. And and then I said, well, I might as well do a little riff on Instagram. Of course, between, don't tell anybody, but the reason I, I, I uh, do that Instagram, it, it is for you. But it also, if I don't feel like walking, I, oh, I got to do my Instagram. So I go out and walk. But, you know, last year in Chicago... Uh, minus 15, snowing, rain. Uh, I haven't missed a day so far. Oh so, God. so you know, life is so awesome. I, I just think we need to, well, the best in the world, Danny, think 40% less. I think 40% less than the average person. Yeah. I don't worry. Uh, the best only go in the future for planning, strategy, tactics, and they only go in the past for evaluation, analysis, and learning, or maybe to tell a story with an old buddy or something. That's a, that's cool. Otherwise, uh, you're like a kid again. You want to spend the majority of your time in the moment. And um, I'll tell you what happiness is for me. I'm aware of this every day. I've had this thought for 50 years. There's no place I would rather be than where I am right now with Danny Purdue on this show. Otherwise, I should get my fanny up and leave. <laughs> if you're not happy. <laughs> well, it, no. Or no, Dan, there's no place I'd rather be. Please. And somebody said, well, what if you're in a bad place? Well, adversity introduces me to me. I'm going to learn how to never come here again. Ah. Or there's some lesson that I need to learn. Mm. So I'm cool. No place I'd rather be than where I am right now. So it's my, been in the moment. So my last remaining question for you leads me to that. Like, you know, that word stress. We talked about how people are depressed in America right now, unfortunately, because of so many different things. Do you get stressed? Like, does that word even come into your existence? Yes, but it's you stress. E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S. And that's a new word for a lot of people. It's been around a long time. EU is the Greek word for good, like euphoria or eureka. You want to put good stress on your terms, on your conditions, on your circumstance. Stress is good on your terms. So how do you get stress on yourself in a positive way? You set goals, put a timeline. You can always adjust the timeline. But stress from outside people, stress from those things, I'm not even phased. I, I, I walk around almost like in the old phone booths. Uh, you know, I'm in that invisible old time phone booth where I'm in my own little biosphere and I see everybody. But inside, uh, there's happy music. You know, I'm dancing. I dance at commercials and just be me. So... Uh, you can do that. There's a lot of zoniacs around the world. So join me as new zoniacs and uh, uh, you can get into that uh, different mindset. But it doesn't take long to do, uh, but you have to commit. And I think that's the mm-hmm. biggest challenge for most people is to commit the first step in doing something. We all have great ideas. We all have. And that's why reverse engineering works because we, we got, most people will get right up to the red zone. You know, I'm only a few yards away from my goal and they'll back away. They'll sabotage themselves. They'll do all kinds of things. And so a lot of people aren't finishers 
by reverse engineering, you finish first. And you work your way back to A, where you are now. So simplicity in thought. Uh, those kids, by the way, had 40% less thought than all adults. So there is something to the truth of be a kid again. I'm, I'm hanging out with my five-year-old uh, uh, grandson who calls me Papa, which was my Papa, the Indian, that my daughter goes, you're not going to blindfold Bowen. I go, if he comes to my house, I am. If he, come, he wants his COVID, yeah, I'm go, yeah Bowen's going to be in the woods. I'm going to train him the same oh way. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see that kid grow up because he's going to be something special. That's amazing. And, you know, I guess my, my last question for you, Jim, at this point is, like, do you have, like, an overall why? Like, you know that word? People in life, they get, I need to know my purpose. I need to know, like, the why I'm here. Do you have that defined in your life? Well, we're all souls. We're all kinetic energy, soulful energy, psychic energy. Uh, and we've rented a body for 70 years or 125 years. And um, it, the score system is backdoor spirituality, really. It, it connects you to the universe. And, and Danny, once you have less thoughts and you have clarity and you have a blueprint tucked up in your arm, it opens these psychic zone ways. And I'm a remote viewer. And my grandfather was a remote viewer. And a remote viewer has a clear mind and a portal opens up and I can see in real time in London what Peter Fleming's eating for dinner if I choose. That's how I coach all my clients. That's why I have an advantage. There's other coaches, but if you can't remote view, you're not gonna compete here. So remote viewing, and then there's historical remote viewing. This is available to everybody listening. Telepathy, remote viewing, historical remote viewing. Give you an example of that. Um, had a client, baseball. This is before two years ago. He had a horrible game, and he calls me, man, I don't know what happened. I just couldn't see the ball. And I said, and I'm in Chicago. He's uh, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I said, who's that guy with the long black hair, Latino guy, about six foot, who's off to the right of the batting cage when you're taking batting practice? Oh, that, that was a college, my old college coach, and he was white. I said, are you aware that you looked at him, looked back at him after every pitch in batting practice? Yeah, I just wanted to check it out. Instead of putting your energy toward the mound where it should have been. Yeah, he goes, how do you know that? I said, I saw him. I saw him. Was he there? Yeah. That's remote viewing. That's historical remote viewing. So you could tell me something that happened to you. I can get into my little trance zone state, and I can go back in the past and tell you what everybody thought and how, what everybody felt in that meeting that you were in. Now, I do that only for my clients. I don't do it on my wife or family or friends, but... That's how I help my clients be successful. But we're all, if you think less, you'll be able to tap into your intuition and intuition's real-time information that uh, uh, your conscious mind doesn't possess. We've done some serious proprietary research on how identical twins, I did this in the Ukraine in Kiev um, uh, at the Patone Institute on how twins communicate mm. non-verbally over distance pretty fascinating. So uh, the sixth sense is available to all of us. Most of us poo-poo it and, you know, you dismiss it and coincidence, you know, serendipity, but it's very real. And once you program your subconscious, it is the overlord of your body. It controls bone, uh, you know, everything in your body, breathing, all of that. Uh, but it also connects you to the universe uh, and taps into even a higher power than yourself. So think, thinking less is really uh, one of the keys. And stay out of the past. I, I hope I don't look 71. I am a 72 my next birthday. But, you know, I don't care what happened five minutes ago. And uh, maybe I can't find my car keys, but I have another technique on how to find them in a remote visual way. So I'll eventually find them in a few minutes. But, you know... It, 
everybody needs to wake up. We're all awake, but we're not aware. And, mm-hmm. and most of us aren't aware of what you think. You got to think about what you think about. I mean, Danny, if I had a, blue, a, a printout of every person's thoughts <laughs> that were listening, I'm sure they wouldn't want me to see it. And a few of you are probably going to be arrested. You know, you need to stop thinking like that. But that inner dialogue printout yeah. dictates whether you're going to be successful or you're going to fail. Think about what you think about. And you need to have a cleaner mind. I'm not talking about clean in terms of swear words. Just a clean mind, zero negativity. I, I'm a positive thinker, solution-oriented thinker. And, and people can get there. Like they can, they got to learn how to let go of all that negativity and learn how to embrace all the positivity. But you just have to get there. I mean, understand this phenomenon. Now we have tools. Or do you worry? Not, Do people not anymore? Uh, but uh, I'm saying yes. But, but most people worry. Yes. So if you replay a negative on a loop twice, there's a tool of what to do so that you never do that again. See, worries when you, gosh, I can't believe she said. Why would she say that to me? That's ridiculous. I can't believe she said that. So now I've thought about it twice. twice. I may put it down. I may go to lunch. I'll come back and I go, God dang it. That is a ridiculous comment she made. That bothers me. So I've done it three times. Then I take my available imagination, sprinkle it, and project it. I go, oh, I bet she's back with her old boyfriend. Uh, not in my life. being an example. And you start making up stuff. There's drama. And off you go into a chaotic world. Right now, 65% of most people's thoughts, the average thinking is two or 3,000 thoughts a day. 65% of those are chaos and natural chaos. So with the score system, we've contained your thoughts in little buckets. So if something doesn't go well at work, you don't come home, kick the dog, get in a fight with your wife, and now yell at your kids. You need to contain your thoughts and manage them. So the score system is a thought management system, and it's manageable by you. I don't need to be your guide. If, I'll help you faster if I was your guide or one of our coaches was your guide, but um, we're all awake. We're just not all aware. So my final question for the great Jim fan, and, and thank you so much. And, and guys, I'm so serious about this because – you just have to keep learning from someone like this because I have, and you're going to watch the levels I'm ascending to because of this. But what's next for, for Jim Fannin? Like, what's the, the big vision? Like, where are we going? I know we're going to 125. Where are we going these next 50 years? Uh, I'm going to solve the opioid crisis. Okay. I bought a, uh, a addiction treatment company. We have an implant called Naltrexone. 10 minutes, within hours, the opioid addict has zero appetite for opioids for six months, depending on your metabolism. We'll give you another implant, and then you can go to work the next day. You recover from home. You don't need to go to recovery center. This is pretty revolutionary. We have a 90% success rate. We use our app, our therapist. We have zone coach therapists. They're master's degree addiction treatment specialists. And then I'm going to help the veterans. Uh, we, we now are doing things with the VA. I'm going to help the veterans. I just spoke to 80, 90 veterans in a group uh, last week, and the mental illness was crazy, opioid, alcohol, and we kind of let them go. And But I, I'm going to take the score system to the masses, Danny, and um, in life, parenting, school, academics. I, I coach University of Illinois athletes, and uh, you can be in the zone in academics. So we have a life division, a business division. We have a sports division. We have a military division, which 20 years ago I thought, why, why would I do that? But we do. And uh, I'm going to give away through my foundation the score system or sell it to as many humans uh, on this planet as possible. I'm going to die, hopefully 126. Uh, the party will be so awesome. I, I may not survive the party, so it'll be great. It'll be a fun way to uh, celebrate. But uh, 
I'm going to give it away or sell it to as many humans as possible, die, leave it in perpetuity. And, uh, and then one more thing, Danny, um, my wife has to do what I'm going to tell you uh, in my will and testament uh, through my attorneys. She has to put one word on my tombstone. It's in writing. Uh, I would like to have it in neon, maybe a pop-up video going, hey, how you doing? It's Jim Fannin. Uh, Jim Fannin's laying in here. And, uh, but uh, that one word is next. Next life, baby. Next life. And Danny, if I come back as a squirrel, I'll have the highest tree with all the nuts. I can't wait. Whatever it is. Next. Oh, my God, Jim. Thank you so much. And yeah, I guess without further ado, uh, for, for my next episode. Next! Next! <laughs>